Hello, everyone, and welcome to And There You Go, a podcast about life. Whether you're hanging from a cliff by one hand or laughing your ass off, we'll cover it all. And now your co-hosts, Addie and Chad. Hello, Addie. Hey, Chad. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. It's been a long day. How about you? I'm about the same, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. But we got into the good stuff afterwards because we did have a date we did it was very nice we went to a place that i hadn't been before and i don't know if you've been there i was there when it was called something else Mm -hmm. i don't even really know if it's the same owners or anything yeah it was good yeah it was it was very good and Mm -hmm. and it had a, a nice little atmosphere to it it had music playing and it was uh Obviously not from a radio station because there were a few cuss words in the music, which is something I actually, I actually <laughs> like. I like to have the, the authenticity in I the music. So I had no idea that radio stations don't allow that. Oh, yeah. They will either have the artist you substitute a word or they will just silence it. Uh, they'll have special recordings that do that. Really? Yeah, yep, yep, different versions of the recordings. What about, well, iTunes wouldn't do that, right? Not necessarily. I, I know that uh, Amazon does not censor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it not uncensored, but they'll say that, that it's got some vulgarities or whatever in yeah. it. Yeah, so. and at the very least, children should not be listening. No, no, but I was in a store once. It was a hardware store. <laughs> back where I used to live and there was the music going and I was just grooving and you know there was a guy with some little kids there and all of a sudden the guy on the song started dropping the f-bomb whoa <laughs> I don't think the store realized you know that there was a potential for that so it uh-huh. was it was kind of interesting kind of fun the look on the dad's face was I don't think it, he noticed honestly oh. I I did because I happened to like the song that was playing and I was listening to it yeah. Closely. See, I would listen <laughs> if I had little kids. <laughs> because I'd be, that that would be something I'd know right away. Yeah. But that might be the teacher in me too. Well, he, he might have <laughs> been very focused on finding the right nut or bolt or whatever it was that he was looking for. So he, he kind of tuned out. Guys do that in hardware stores. No. Yeah. No, we, we, we tune. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's. you do that. <laughs> I have. I'm yeah, just being honest. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I I will admit I I do that. So, so so today we're going to uh, delve into a topic that is probably on the heavier side, maybe on the darker side. It's really about your experiences and uh, some of the things that uh, you've gone through that probably aren't as pleasant. Uh, as everyday life should be or could be. Mm-hmm. And so why don't, why don't you go ahead and just jump right into it? Well, what I wanted to do today was to address an issue in the realm of trauma and abuse that I think that most people avoid or don't even understand okay. until they're in the midst of it. And then it becomes a crisis, which is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I did see in your office that you've got a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I do, yes. Mm -hmm. Have you read it? You know, I haven't read it all the way through. Uh, I've read bits and pieces of it, uh, just kind of flipping through and thumbing through. I haven't had a chance, a chunk of time to uh, sit down and and really make it my friend, if you will. Yeah, I have kind of been the same. 
my understanding from some people is it's kind of a hard read because it's written by a doctor okay. who discovered this. So that, pretty pretty heady in terms of the content. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not 100% sure because I've just kind of whipped through it mm-hmm. and got what I need so that I could understand what was happening to me. But this book talks about, it's like for every highly stressful traumatic or abusive situation Mm -hmm. the body keeps score and what do you mean by that when you say body keeps a score well you start with the emotional um verbal abuse Mm -hmm. of of some kind or another um and it can it can delve right into the physical abuse too it's all trauma it's all abuse sure if that is indeed what's happening to you but emotional will always manifest into physical It's just a matter of when. So if you're going through traumatic things or you're seeing your children go through traumatic things or or abuse of any kind, please make sure that, that you take care of it as soon as you possibly can because the longer you wait, the worse the physical outcome is going to be to your body. Interesting. You know, and I suppose... The tricky part with that is that so often there's this hesitancy on the part of people, and I experience that myself, you know, to to seek help right away. We think, oh, I'll get through it, or, you know, this isn't anything. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't recognize it for what it is. Well, I think that that's part of it is that they don't recognize that, oh, this, all this emotional stuff that's gone on is now affecting me physically. I don't think people put that together. Mm-hmm. I don't think I necessarily did mm-hmm. until it was too late. And I was in a position to begin with, with the trauma where there was just no opportunity for me to take care of myself. I went pretty much my whole adult life taking care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And even when these awful things were happening to me I had two children to make sure sure we're okay and so I wasn't really thinking along those lines although I did seek out therapy a number of times and thank God I did because it could have been so much worse for me oh yeah yeah but my my children and I were were victims of domestic abuse of uh, lots of trauma it was caused by a number of people along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I didn't realize is that it had really started in my early 20s at the latest. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize that I was being abused. I you, didn't, you didn't realize that? No, because it was done in a way that I think I would have been questioned about it at the time. Okay. Um, the person that I was involved with was um, a selfish human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know that until it was a little too late to do much about it. <laughs> uh, but I always thought that he was um, devoted. I'd okay. say devoted to me and the kids. As, as nasty or mean as he could get. As much as he really wasn't around, I did think he was devoted 
in some sort of way. And things happened that I never thought would. And so the kids and I, we had to, we had to leave. And until I talked to a therapist and said, well, for the last two decades, practically, this is how it's been for me. And I'd give examples. And she finally stopped me and said, do you realize that you have been emotionally abused the whole time that you've been with him? And, and did you? No. I mean, I thought he was not a very nice person yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, he had his moments. It was more um, neglect of the relationship he had with the kids and the one that he should have had with me. Mm-hmm. It was just about him. Everything was about him pretty much. And I, I, I would imagine that a part of that kind of blindness that we have to that might come from the fact that well, we're supposed to be in love, we're supposed to be a happy family, mm-hmm. and you don't want to think the negative. Maybe it doesn't even enter your mind. Yeah, it did not enter my mind as abuse or trauma. Until you got with the therapist. Right. And until I did a lot of research, and I've done a lot of research for a lot of years, Mm -hmm. and now I know what I wish I would have known then, (laughs) but I do know now. However, it didn't necessarily help me as much as I wished that it would have because Mm I, see, I'm not a doctor, so I am not diagnosing anybody I'm just saying from all the research that I've done and all the experience that I've had in my lifetime, I just was a target to narcissistic personalities. And it was just amazing how much damage that one person can do to another or to others. And they create the mess, but they don't clean it up. Yeah. They're not even sorry. You know, and you're not alone in in that, in which you can be somebody who becomes a target for not necessarily just one, but sometimes multiple. Mm -hmm. I know people that are like that, too, that have been in this position as well. So it's sadly not an uncommon thing to have happen. It isn't. What is sad is that most people judge. They don't understand that this is something that, if you're in one abusive relationship, you will likely be in more, and which is just what happened to me. And abuse makes you feel small, mm-hmm. makes you feel not worthy and like you're never enough. And I was already struggling with that my whole life because I was just a very quiet, shy person in I didn't ever feel like I was enough. Well, and and perhaps that's a part of the reason why there was the initial draw to you by the first one. Yeah. It was because of the personality, the character traits that you might have exhibited. It very well could be. Although narcissistic personalities generally choose people that they want to be like. Really? Narcissists... Choose people who show empathy and compassion and kindness and 
things like that. Those are strong, strong characteristics to have or to love deeply because narcissists can't do that. They don't, they can't feel. They don't feel love, empathy, compassion. They don't feel much of anything, maybe anger. But I got to the point where I was just fight or flight waiting for the next bomb to drop because you know it's going to. Mm-hmm. That's not a healthy way to be, but that's what was happening to me. I'd, I'd take a hit, I'd get back up, I'd go for it, take another hit, and it was just always a bomb dropping. And um, one therapist described it really well after I'd been through a number of experiences. She said, your nerve endings, they're like they're on fire because you have been in survival mode almost your whole life. And so, of course, that would have physical ramifications at some point, right? Well, sure. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to see the connection between the behaviors of somebody else, how they can affect you in terms of your own behaviors, but then how that can start to manifest within the body itself. I mean, what you just said about the the nerve endings being on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can only imagine, well, I, I liken it to like a, a puppy that gets whipped. You know, the first time it's maybe not a big deal, but but if they come to expect it, then almost every time you approach it, there's a flinch, a physical flinch. And that's a lot of stress on the body, both physical and psychological and emotional. And it, it, it absolutely has to have some kind of physical effect mm-hmm. on, on the body. And I, I think we see that. Yeah. With him, I really honestly thought that I could help him learn to be a nice person. And I tried so hard to help him have a relationship with his children. And he said to me, my relationship with our children is none of your damn business. I'm kind of speechless at that. (laughs) Right? But when he left, then it was all my business because the kids didn't want to be with him. And so that, I just didn't want to fail, you know. So I was willing to stay in that survival mode because I didn't want to fail. Well, especially if you had two young children. Mm-hmm. You're mama bear. Yeah, don't mess with my kids, man. <laughs> right, and you're going to take care of them no yeah. matter what. Yeah, so my children and I were left homeless, jobless no money, not even a credit card. I had a van and I had a few essentials and a couple changes of clothes. That's, that's it. That's all we had. And we stayed with my parents for about two and a half months, bless their hearts, Mm -hmm. because we would have been completely homeless otherwise. And I, I just felt like I have to hold this together. I've got to make my kids feel secure and know that I've got this under control. Well, sure. But at the same time, this was all happening to me too. Right. And, uh, and, and when do you find time for self-care, which is so, well, you, so important? You don't. You don't, right. Right. And I spent that relationship not doing any self-care mm-hmm. um, because I was busy taking care of him and 
of course, the kids, they didn't ask to be born. No. The biggest, most important thing to me, and you know this already, is that I'm a good mom to my kids. Mm-hmm. And that somehow I can just fix all this, which I will never be able to do. Yeah. Because I did end up in several other relationships that were not healthy, that were abusive as well. But I didn't catch on because each time the abuse was different. Uh, The second person, uh, I was introduced by a friend who thought she knew him as a very good person. And he could be, but he was either the nicest man I'd ever met or the cruelest. And there was really nothing in between. He was always really good to the kids. It was me that he was controlling so I've, I've seen individuals like that where the, the facade is picture perfect. Oh, yeah. But, and I think we talked about this in if the previous it's an, episode. If it's, it's just, a narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. Behind, <laughs> behind the doors, that, that facade comes down. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard for others to see what you're seeing. Right. So I should back up and say the first two years after we were away I was helping my kids adjust to their whole new lives you know new school friends home new lifestyle Mm -hmm. all of it I'm going through the divorce and he's made it so hard I mean I'm scared to open my my mailbox because there's probably Mm -hmm. another mean letter in there but along with doing that I taught full-time I cleaned houses on the weekend, and I took college courses in the evening after I put the kids to bed. Holy buckets. And that's not even everything, because, of course, I was a parent. So I was washing clothes. I was cleaning. I was making the, you know, supper. Helping with homework. Right. Going to conferences. All of it. Everything. I, everything. So there was absolutely no time for self-care at all. Yeah. And then I meet this other person who, of course, starts by being very charming and then moves into the nicest or the meanest and nothing in between. And um, Can I ask how long it was before you started seeing that behavior? You know, not long, really. A couple months. Okay. Except... I didn't understand what it was. Mm-hmm. I just was trying to look at the bright side that there were all these really nice things that he was doing half of the time. And he mm-hmm. was good to the kids, right? And <laughs> I, again, I think it comes back to we want to believe that the person that we've chosen to be with is what we want them to be. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that as well. And so you kind of become blind to some of the negative things, at least right away. There's, there's an amount of forgiveness that you, you proffer up to these people. Yes. And eventually that erodes over time. But initially, it makes sense that we want to see the best in the people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would we be with them in the first place? Right. And he was helping with the kids as far as making sure with me that they didn't lose out on opportunities because they're both talented kids who Mm -hmm. work really hard and 
he did help with that. That was like a super important thing. So emotional was slowly manifesting into physical at that point. And I ended that relationship. And of course, there's so much more to that story that will come out later. But I ended up working as an educator in a church, which was healthy at the time for my kids because we kind of felt like we had somewhere where we belonged. Mm -hmm. And I'd managed to find a new job, buy a different home, because this man did the same thing. You know, I don't want you to work. I want you to stay with the kids. And same thing, homeless, jobless, fatherless. Because oh out, of, out of anybody, he was probably who the kids felt like was their father the most. Mm-hmm. So now I'm an educator in the church and know the pastors pretty well. And at one point, the pastor put his hand on my shoulder after I was coming out of church. And he, and he said, how long do you think you can keep this up? And I was surprised that anybody had even noticed me Mm. because I never felt noticed, let alone somebody seeing what I was trying to do all Mm -hmm. by myself. And my answer probably sounded flippant, and I didn't mean it to, but I said, as long as I have to, because there is no choice. Yeah, but that's that's kind of the the fundamental truth of it, as long as you have to, Mm -hmm. because you have kids involved. Yeah, and it wasn't very long after that, maybe just a matter of weeks, that I landed in the hospital for five days. What happened? Um, I think the emotional was manifesting into physical. Really? Okay. And they could not figure it out, and that's why I was in there so long, because they were doing every possible test imaginable, but just couldn't find anything super significant. So I do think it was my body that was just saying enough. Mm-hmm. It just started to talk back. Something's going to happen if you don't take care of yourself. That's an interesting way to put it, <laughs> that your body's talking back to you. Yeah. But. So I guess I ended up in another relationship. Charming guy. And I think I've talked about him a little bit before in that. He basically tricked me into marrying him. And so, you know, bad. somebody who's not, <laughs> not, uh, ha- doesn't have experience with this kind of situation, how does somebody trick you into marrying them? Well, he pretended to be somebody he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I believed him. Mm-hmm. And we got married. And in two weeks, I walked into his home office and He was glassy-eyed and couldn't stand up. And I had noticed that he was spending a lot of time in that office. And I said, what's going on? What, What is happening? Something is obviously very wrong. This isn't how you would normally act. And he said, well, sit down because I have something big to tell you. (laughs) Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said, I'm an alcoholic. I've been an alcoholic for eight years. I'm a night drinker. And I didn't tell you because I knew you wouldn't marry me. He actually said that. He said that. And he said it to my parents when they questioned him at one point, too. Really? Yep. 
He was just like, matter of fact, yes, I did. I tricked her. Tricked her into marrying me. Mm-hmm. Pretty ballsy. Pretty ballsy. My parents couldn't believe it. I, I'd been trying to get out from the very beginning then because he started getting abusive. He got me into the garage and held me hostage for two hours, blocking the door while he was drunk. I was in a fetal position crying, and he said I could never go back into my house unless I said that I had been mean, which I hadn't. So I said, well, I guess I'm going to be out here forever because I'm not going to say that I was mean to you. I've never been mean to you. So there was emotional and verbal and physical abuse because he was using his large size, he's a pretty big guy, to scare me and get me down into a corner in a fetal position for two hours. Uh, I'm, again, uh, you've got me speechless here. Yeah, there's so much more. (laughs) Just tune in a lot because (laughs) (laughs) these podcasts are going to blow your mind sometimes. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> I have no doubts about that. <laughs> yeah, so I so I was trying to get out of that forever, but because of the kind of work that he did, it made it extremely difficult mm-hmm. to do. And I was at the end part of trying to get this going or you know, get out, um finish up, be divorced, get the divorce going. That's mm-hmm. what I meant. Mm-hmm. And Mandy said, Mom, let's just go do a girl trip. Let's just go have some fun and get you away from all of this and me too. And so we did. We went. And the first day was so fun. And we went shopping and ate fun food and just had a ball together. And that night, we're laying in bed. And my stomach starts hurting so bad and then my whole body and pretty soon the pain and I've got a high pain tolerance by Mm -hmm. the way the pain was just beyond anything except maybe childbirth honestly I couldn't sit up I couldn't stand I couldn't do anything to get to the car so that my daughter could drive me to the hospital. Wow, that bad, huh? Yeah, I said, honey, you're just going to have to call for an ambulance because I'm not okay. What were you thinking was going on? Do you think maybe you had some bad food or? I just didn't know. But it did feel like I felt the first time I was in the hospital for that long because this time was another week worth of. Okay all sorts of tests and they they did figure some things out but not much but again it was my body saying gotta take care of yourself mm-hmm. we're i'm keeping score here yeah <laughs> and the doctor in the emergency room was was fabulous and kind his first two questions he asked me were have you led a stressful life and have you been abused really yeah and so kept me in the hospital for a week then sent me to a specialist because they still didn't feel like they'd figured it all out. And I waited to see the specialist a little bit and then realized one morning when I was trying to put my hair up into a ponytail, there wasn't very much hair there. I must have lost at least half my hair. Oh, my. 
And that can be caused by stress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. And so I'd lost half of my hair, and I was getting puffy. My body didn't feel right. I was hurting a lot, too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes hurting to the point where it was difficult to walk. Mm. So I did go see the specialist, and basically what he said is, I can't figure this out, but I know that... All you're doing every day is surviving, and that is no way to live. And so I'm going to send you to Mayo. So fast forward to Mayo. Mm-hmm. And back up just one more time. Well, I'm in the hospital again for a week. He didn't know where I was. He thought that I, I was in the town that we were living in, but I wasn't. And when he realized that, he was mad. And I said, you need to stop texting me. My doctor said, you need to stop texting me. He wouldn't. He just harassed me almost the entire time I was in the hospital. Oh, boy. And exactly what you don't need. Exactly. At that point in time. That was his play. He wanted to do exactly what wasn't good for me. Sure. So again, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, my impression with what you just said was that he he didn't want to be found out. Maybe. Maybe he, maybe I I mean, I don't know if he knew why you, where you were exactly, or if he knew you were in the hospital or why you were there, but. He did know because he texted me and I said, you need to stop texting me right now. I'm in the hospital and the doctor doesn't want you texting me. He doesn't want you bothering me. So again, fast forward to mail. Um, within 30 minutes of talking to the internal medicine doctor, 30 minutes, not 30 seconds. Did I say 30 seconds? Yes, you did. That'd be a <laughs> smart doctor. <laughs> yeah, and he was really smart, but maybe not 30 seconds smart. Um, he, After talking to me for 30 minutes, he asked if he could bring in the world specialist for something because he believed he knew what was wrong with me. Okay. And so, of course, you don't say no when somebody says, oh, let's bring in the world specialist to figure out what we can do for you. You say, absolutely, you can. Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah. And he was such a nice man. Both of the doctors were. This specialist came in. He had so much empathy. Um, First two questions he asked were the ones that the other doctors had asked me. Have you led a stressful life? Have you been abused? And then he went on. Do you have PTSD? Well, yes. I had really bad PTSD. Describe the symptoms. So I went about describing the symptoms that you have when you have PTSD. Um, mm-hmm. And then he finished for me. He said, uh, you're also type A, right? Chad, am I type A? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be A for affirmative. Thank you. So he just said it. He said, you're type A and you are a caretaker to everyone. And I believe I know what's wrong with you. And we're going to have to do all the tests. But I know what you, what's wrong is all trauma-based. So you know this guy has seen this before. Oh, and yeah. And probably studied, maybe even wrote articles about it. Well, he is the world's specialist. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. 
He probably knows what he's doing. I think he does. Yeah. So he he felt like he knew what was wrong with me. All of it, he said, is trauma-based. And he said, you were in a position where you didn't feel like, or you didn't feel as though you could take care of yourself because you had to take care of so many other people. And he said, do you you realize that the last time that you were in the hospital, that you, your body had been almost completely depleted of all vitamins and you were severely dehydrated and your organs would have started to shut down had you not gotten into that ambulance. Those are some scary words. Mm Mm-hmm. So now... My answer to my pastor would be really different. Uh, Yeah, I can imagine it would be. Because I think if I'd have been strong enough, I I would have said, I can't keep this up. I need help to find somewhere to get help. Or I need to find some people who will understand this and help me to know what to do. Because... I wasn't healthy emotionally, and I certainly was not healthy physically. Somewhere that I went, they showed pictures of a brain. They showed pictures of a normal human brain, mm-hmm. and then pictures of a human brain that had been triggered by a great deal of trauma. It was unbelievable the difference in those two brains. So, like CAT scan type pictures, mm-hmm. images, yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah. And so I just can't even imagine what my brain must look like if it was to be, you know, x-rayed or whatever. Right. Uh, trauma can leave a lasting imprint on your brain. And it's no wonder why emotional manifests into physical because it's all interconnected which is basically what that doctor said in the book. Mm -hmm. It's just all interconnected. Often when you're going through things like this, you feel like you're the only one. You don't feel like you can reach out to anyone or anyone's going to understand you. But there are so many people who will. And I found a different therapist and I got involved in trauma groups and they helped carry me through because... There are all of these other women. It was just a woman, women's only trauma group. Sure. Uh, all these women that I became friends with and felt comfortable sharing anything and knowing that I would not be judged because mm-hmm. they had lived lives like me. And I think yeah. that's um, something that's that's really important. A couple of things that you said is that you don't have to feel like you're alone because you're not there are so many people in this world, sadly, who experience this. Mm-hmm. I could tell you about several people that I know very well that, that have been through similar things. Well, I and walked out of Mayo with six autoimmune diseases. I'm sure I walked into Mayo with those. With them too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but out with six autoimmune diseases and a bunch of other stuff too that will never go away. And all I can do is try my best to take care of myself now mm-hmm. so it doesn't get even worse. And you're really good to me. <laughs> Thank you for being my person. Well, who's, I finally found a really good man. And that has made a huge difference to me. 
emotionally and physically. Well, it's very easy for me to love you like you need to be loved. And you should have been loved all along. See, and that is so sweet because when people hear that there were three or more people that did this to you, they they think that somehow you brought this on yourself. Oh, no. Somehow you deserve this. No. Or it's a character issue. Like, well, she's the common denominator. No. So, yeah, I'm crying a little bit because... Well, understandably (laughs) so, sweetie, and that's okay. Just take a moment here and, and, uh, you know... It takes a while sometimes to find the right person. It takes a lot of effort, but it can be done. I mean, you proved it. and you know. I, I did. Some people believe in a God. Some people don't. I do. My relationship is really personal with him. I'm not big on organized religion anymore. But I guess... God just kept putting those kinds of people in my way even after that. And I moved to a different city because I had to. I had Mm -hmm. to go into hiding. But then when I started to try to date, and then I tried to go into business with someone too, and they turned out to be that way. I mean, just have those kinds of personality traits, and they were mean. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, I'm just going to keep putting these people in front of you and and I'm going to watch you tell them to get away. Because it's the only way that you're going to get to the person that you really should be with. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. <laughs> yeah, but what a what a slog through life to, to get to where you want to be. I know. So, something, I guess all of this just reminds me every day to not just survive. Got to do more than that. You can't just live. You got to survive. You can't just survive. You've got to live. Yeah. And if you feel like all you're doing is surviving mm-hmm. from day to day, reach out to whomever and start seeking some help, some some assistance to help pull you out of that. Mm-hmm. And do the things that you need to do for you because you're worth it. I mean, that's got to be something that I imagine that uh, you felt was a sense of worthlessness maybe through some of this. Completely worthless. And worthless as a parent sometimes because my kids would get dragged through some of this too and they already had so much on their plates with only having me for a parent Mm -hmm. not having anybody else that was working hard to be a good parent to them so i just want wanted to put it out there i just want people to remember that whatever is happening to them emotionally Take care of it. Take care of it. And there you go. Sweetie, thank you for sharing that. I know that wasn't easy. Hopefully it will help somebody else along the way. 
that's my hope. It's always my hope that if I share that somebody else might be saved. And there you go.